This episode is brought to you by Lark Media. Did you ever feel like you had a message that the whole world absolutely needed to hear? You take it, you package it, you bundle it, you send it out there, and then boom! No response. Well, if that's you, don't be disappointed. It might not be that your message is bad. It might be that you're not delivering it the right way. And this is where our friends over at Lark Media can help. These guys are masters of marketing. They've done things for advanced training, where they've come in, they've taken documentaries of our work, and they not only captured what it looks like, but they captured what it feels like to be a part of what we do. They've also made motion graphics that we use before and after our YouTube videos. If you need help, please contact Steve at LarkMediaNYC.com. Again, that's Steve at Lark, L-A-R-K, Media, NYC.com. Tell them that Advanced Trading sent you, and they'll take 10% off. All right, people. I didn't want to have to make this podcast. Uh, I feel like I have to make this podcast. The topic that we're going to talk about, I feel like it's never going to die. But when I had vented to my wife about this topic and the lack of understanding that some of our guys in our training group have on this topic, she said to me, uh, well, whose fault is it that they don't understand? Is it their fault or is it your fault? So she was right. What what a case of extreme ownership there by Mrs. Mahoney. Uh, Jocko Willink would be proud. I shouldn't blame them for not knowing. I blame myself. So let's get into it. Again, I don't think this is the end of this conversation. I think we're going to have this conversation until the, the day I retire from advanced training. But it's once again going back to has advanced training gotten too soft? Uh, has adva- Is advanced training training the wrong way? And feed the cats? What? What is this feed the cat thing? How could that ever make you better? And what about that stupid podcast you made, number 118, Bigger, Stronger, Slower? I'm just not buying it, right? At least this is the what I'm getting out of it. So I, I thought with 118, that would be the end of the conversation. I thought, look, we put, we're putting this thing to rest. We dissected Barry Ross's book, Underground Secrets to Faster Running. We put this thing to rest, but that's clearly not the case. So how, how did this all start? Well, Sunday night this week, I'm about to lay my head to bed, and uh, I see a text from Joe Marechko. It's about 8 o'clock. I'm like, ah, I'm going to get a nice solid sleep, get ready for our morning running session. It's going to be brutally cold. Let me get a solid eight hours in, and then uh, we'll get into this running session. But then I, I read his text, and rather than smartly go to sleep, I decide to respond. So what does Joe Marechko text me? Uh, Joe is the, uh, the consummate devil's advocate, and uh, this happens a lot with Joe. So I don't think he's trying to destroy my life, but this is what he writes. Coach, I just trained with somebody else today who wasn't you. I now doubt everything you've ever taught me. I doubt everything that we're doing in the program. You stink. Good night. All right, he didn't actually write that, but that's actually what I felt when I read his text. In fact, every time he, he texts me something like this, I basically said he's basically telling me, I don't believe anything you're telling me. All right, having said that, here's what he actually wrote. Coach, Mr. Trunzo, so that's Joe Trunzo, who he worked out with that day, brought up a valid point that I asked about. With this new, quote, feed the cats, unquote, mentality that our workouts cater to, the actual Tough Man event does not reflect that. Is it time to consider maybe going back to the old way of the Tough Man where, the stations and, where there are station, stations and breaks in between? So again, I had taken that as this guy saying, he doesn't know what the hell I'm, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, right? We're, we're training for X, we're competing for Y, what's going on? And again, I, I thought this was uh, <laughs> I thought this was settled. Anyway, I stupidly respond because uh, I, I, I want to make sure I understand what he's saying. Say, may I ask what the tough man does not reflect? And he's saying, feed the cats. Tough man as it's currently constructed is a nonstop event with no breaks. They test your endurance more than feed the cats. 
So uh, Sarno jumps right in, and he shows this emoji of some dude's head exploding, which is exactly what I was doing. And then uh, Strange jumps in and says, perfect debate for a podcast episode, which I was thinking it is. But also, I thought we did this in episode 118. When I see Strange the next morning, he's like, I, I don't remember you saying, talking about this at all, which means I did a really bad job in episode 118. So I'm going to do and try and do a better job right now. And please note that this is not where the text messages ended. This is like uh, the first five of now what becomes like 200 text messages, t- not only talking about this topic, but then really trying and beating the hell out of our existing Tough Man competition to the point where I'm taking it as maybe the Tough Man should be called the, the Soft Man. Anyway... So I'm going to go through this conversation, and then I'm going to go through some of, the, some of the things that I believe will help people better understand what's going on and why the, we train the way we do. So the conversation, with the, with the thing that I try and say is, especially in Bigger, Stronger, Slower, let's, go, let's take a step back. What is Bigger, Stronger, Slower? It's the book by Barry Ross. It's my podcast dissecting the book by Barry Ross for Underground Secrets to Faster Running. The main premise of that book was you can get bigger and stronger – or stronger and faster, but you're never going to get bigger and faster. So you got to pick where you want to be. And if you want to get faster, well, then you got to get stronger without gaining too much weight because you need a better mass-specific force to generate more speed. Now, in that podcast, and I'll say it again, what it states is is that by getting more mass-specific force, you're naturally going to have better endurance. You're going to have better endurance because you are stronger and you're generating, I'll say, more force and getting gaining more ground with less effort because you're stronger. So they're saying that this is why people are getting tired. Uh, it's because they have bad running mechanics or because they're weak. So my answer to Joe was, I don't think that I do think that the way we train helps the current tough man style because the current tough man style can be improved by being stronger and having better mass specific force. Where Joe said, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, but you got to think that, like, I'm not going to go into the rest of the text, but he's like, I knew you were going to say that, but essentially, I don't believe what the hell you're saying. Well, then he then opens the door for many, many other gripes, right? I'm going to list a few of the other gripes, but some of them spiraled out of control. Some of them were legitimately, actually, they were all very valid. It was a valid, a lot of, everything everybody said was valid. There wasn't too many stupid things that people said that didn't have a lot of thought put into them or valid points to them. So I'll, I'll give all these guys this. They are valid thoughts. So some guys... When they're talking about the current tough man, some of these guys have completely and totally mastered the tough man, and they're saying, look, this thing isn't that tough anymore. It's actually relatively easy. The name should, doesn't even, shouldn't even be tough man. And a lot of this stuff is about transitions. So that's transitioning from one event to the other event. Uh, so the tough man is an endurance event, which, again, I don't believe it is an endurance event. And then it just spiraled out of control to the point where I, I got so confused, I don't even know what the hell was going on anymore, which is making me take this whole thing back to where we where we started. All right, so back to where, how did this tough man start? How does it look, the, why does it look the way it looks now? Why is it designed the way it's, the way it's designed now? So a couple of things. We talked about bigger, faster, slower, and how really mass is your enemy, right? Too much mass is going to make you have less mass-specific force. I want to talk about Feed the Cats very quickly. Feed the Cats... It comes from Tony Holler, and it's not it, what it really is, all right? It doesn't mean, like, have a, a, a really super simple workout. It means have short, explosive workouts, not easy, right? It's not simple, but they're not so brutally hard that you're going to dissuade the super athletic player 
from coming out on this is the way he's designing it, right? That super athletic player is not going to want to play for your team if all you're going to do is treat him like a dog and run him into the ground. And if you have these cats, you're going to win more games. All right, I'm taking Tony Holler's version of it. For me, feed the cats. If I ex- take, if I extract what I feel from the way Tony Holler is working with this stuff, for me, it's I want people energized and excited and refreshed at every practice. I don't want to do anything at that practice that's going to make them feel worse the next day, and I want them to not let their workout today ruin the next practice. This goes for coaches. It goes for players. It goes for guys I'm training. That's what I believe with Feed the Cats. Having said that, there are times where I break that mantra because a lot of our guys on our group, they just believe that the only thing a good workout is going to do is going to make them puke or make them be unable to walk or make them feel like they uh, bordered on the edge of death. And then, uh, then and only then was it a great workout, right? Because they're looking for something else. But for me, I don't believe that's the way. I believe that that is a, it's a short-term win for a long-term loss. And if you're a 25-year-old guy, you're probably going to feel it in your bones like I do right now when you get to your 40s. Ah, man, I only want to live to my 40s. I got nothing to live for after that. You got a, long, a lot to live for, right? You want to be able to tie your shoes, uh, sit down walk up a flight of steps without pain. So there, there are smart ways to train. And if you're, if you're able to train without killing yourself, you can train a lot more and get a lot more results rather than kill yourself on a Monday and then not be able to train Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because you're so sore. And when you're sore, you're not recovering. And when you're not recovering, you're not growing and you're not getting better. All right? So this is, to me, where I'm throwing in this feed the cats methodology. Now, I don't think we do feed the cats enough when we do our tough man workouts. When we do it in our sprint sessions, I do it in my lift sessions. But again, social pressure or me wanting to try and appease some of you freaks, uh, these workouts are really not, they're really not feed the cats. The sprints are, but not much else. So let's get back to... What is the current tough man, right? Because people are saying this is an endurance event. Uh, people may be giving me too much or too little credit for how this thing was designed. So the current version of the tough man, most of you know it, but I'll just say what it is, uh, it, it, as simple as possible. There is five events. There is a slider, a 15-yard slider that directly goes right into a farmer's walk for 15 yards. Then it goes into a 15-yard prowler. It's a high-handle prowler, 15 yards, a low-handle prowler, 15 yards, then another high-handle prowler, 15 yards. Then it goes to a sled pull. Then it goes to a slider. Now, people say, look, this is an endurance event, right? Because there are these transitions from one thing to another, there is no break. And now we're so good at this event that really the only way I'm winning or losing this event is because I've mastered the transition to get from one thing to another. So for me, the way I thought about this when I first designed it was, yeah, uh, in my mind, I'm like, there are actually breaks. So I'm not saying to do one set of sliders for a minute and just see who can get there the furthest or you push a prowler in one direction like to me it was that I think there was a break going from one event to another I also say that I've tried to separate things so that you wouldn't get too overly fatigued by the same thing so for example there's the farmer's walk which would require grip strength to an extent and I've separated that out from the sled pull which will require grip strength to an extent uh, I try to push out the sliders as far apart from each other as possible. So there was a thought process in what I was doing. So for me, that was the uh, the mini break. Or also, you've done this prowler, you have jelly legs, now you do a sled pull where you're sitting down. You're, you're done moving your legs. You're actually sitting on a bucket and pulling this sled into yourself. So 
that's what I was looking at when I had made the event to try and break it up so it wasn't this massive, massive, massive over-fatiguing of your body. In my mind, it, it wasn't supposed to be an endurance event. It was supposed to be an event of toughness. Having said that, for all you guys who say, look, this is endurance, I've never heard one of you ever say that an actual strongman competition where some dude has a plane attached to his waist and he's got a rope in front of him and he's pulling it for a minute and 30 seconds. No one's ever called me and said, hey, Coach Mahoney, did you ever watch this uh, marathon going on right now? No, everybody's calling it a strongman competition. Now, so again, <laughs> this is the, the tough man competition. Uh, it became this way. It wasn't always this way. It became this way because I wanted to create a more efficient way of testing. The way that test is, when one guy is done, the drill is almost immediately set up for the next guy to go. Now you guys may say, hey coach, this is, who cares, right? Like, I don't care if it's efficient. Uh, yeah, you do. Because every time we have these things, guys are just anxious to go, or they're sitting out waiting too long. And we did this a different way before. So the way we used to do it before this type of a test was there were individual events. There was a uh, a forty, oh, sorry, a fifty-yard slider. There was a a prowler shuttle, but none of them went went back to back. You did it, and then you rested completely, and then it was a new event. And what I did after all of those individual events, I calculated the time for all of those individual events, and it took forever. The tough man would last like four hours, and guys would be pissed. Coach, what's going on? Like, when's my turn to go next? Uh, how, why is it taking so long to calculate all the times? So it, people were not happy when we did all that stuff. They also weren't happy with who went in what order on those tests, right? So imagine if the whole advanced training group first did sliders. Well, now you're waiting so long even to set up the next drill for the next guy to do his prowler shuttle. Right? So you couldn't do it that way. So I used to have stations where guys would cycle through the stations. So they'd get rest, but they'd only do one station at a time. But again, it was like, well, if I start on the Prowler shuttle, that's it. I can't finish, execute anything else for the rest of the day because it's too hard. Right? So it caused all of those issues. So to eliminate those issues, I put in the system that we have now. Not only did I like that it was efficient and the times were done right there and then, but I also liked it was it was basically like a standardized test. I can repeat that test over and over again, year after year, so now we can start to have guys compete, not only against the guys in that group they went against that day, but guys who went four years before them. And yes, there are differences in the uh, field conditions, uh, the, 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 the wetness, the slickness of the turf, the height of the turf, but we're we're pretty close to being standardized on that, uh, much closer than we were because we had so many different events and different people going in different orders on those events in previous Tough Men. Now, the old guys from the old Tough Men, they said we should change the name from Strongman, it used to be called the Advanced Training Strongman, to Tough Man because they said this is not Strongman, this is just about being tough and getting through it. Now, guys like to wax poetic about the good old days. Coach, that those were the good old days, man. That's when they really did it. And I've... I've I think I've proven to them time and again, when they do those same events, they kill the old guys. They slaughter them. You know, we're beating the old guys by 20 seconds on 50-yard sliders. We're destroying them. So, and you guys, you had the, op you had the issue. I'm sorry, you had the, uh, I gave you the platform to create your own challenge. All you guys, if you really wanted to compete against the, the old school dudes, some of you even are the old school dudes, uh, just, you should have picked one of those challenges from the old tough man and see how you stack up. Because you had that option. No one picked it. Having said that, we have evolved. The, the group has evolved. 
we're better than we were back in the quote-unquote glory days, the days that are being waxed poetic over, the days that where everything's still documented. It's not like this is made-up stuff. The history is written down. Go look at it. All the data is there. That's why it's more infuriating to me than anything. We have a lot of super cerebral guys. Go back and look at the data. It's there. Okay. Now, part of this is uh, I got to take blame for, for this issue. All right? So I'll take some blame. I, and I'm also giving credit to the guys in our group. I'm giving credit to the guys in our group because they've gotten so much better at this tough man that for some of those guys, it isn't tough. It, they're not throwing up. Uh, it's not tough in terms of being physically challenging to them. There is some skill they have in their transitions. I think it's mentally tough because they have to operate under pressure. But I think from a physically tough thing, they've exceeded that point. Uh, and I, I'll, take, I'll give them credit, and I'm going to give myself some blame. I'm going to blame myself because in the last few years, we started working on how to more effectively execute our technique in the tough man. And also, I had put out a podcast after a tough man about two years ago where I was laser focusing on technique and transitions. And some guys really, really took hold of that and just perfected their craft. Uh, They perfected their craft of turning on the prowler. They perfected their craft of grabbing the chain when they sit down. Guys have totally corrupted... uh, the sled pull to now where it is no longer a back exercise. It's like, how the hell do I get this thing in as fast as possible? Great, they're killing the time, but it wasn't what this was intended to be. And uh, even Joe Sarno added in kicking the sled, which is now banned from all future tough mans. You know, you're good when you have a move that you created banned. So I'll give the guys credit and I blame myself because now it is not this, it's the same challenge for the last, I don't know, five years, I'm probably making that up, maybe six years, it's around that time, but guys, some guys have gotten significantly better at it to the point that it really is not physically taxing, and they don't have to, like, throw up the night before because they are so nervous about physically getting through this thing. Now, for the same respect, for some guys, it's still really tough. We have new guys that have are into the program that have not had the experiences other guys have or the training uh, time with us. There's guys that are like midway through their development, so it's it's hard for them, but it's not you know it's not it's not simple, but it's pretty hard to get through it. So for those guys where it's it's tough, the transition thing, it's, it, and Trunzo said this well, that shouldn't even be a thought in their mind. Right, if it, it's taking you uh, 20 seconds to push the prowler 15 yards, forget about the transition. Like you, you need to figure out what it is for you that is making you take so long to get from one thing to another. Right. So, again, we're getting these these critiques. Uh, it's not tough. It's not. It's. I think it is tough. I think it's tough for different people in different ways. It's a test of transition. I believe. I do agree with that, but only for the elite guys. And uh, it's an endurance test more than a, a tough test. A tough man test, I disagree with that. I don't think it's it's an endurance test. I think if you are weak or if you're grossly overweight, it will feel like an endurance test, but it's not an endurance test. Now, having said that, I'm going to take a 10-second a break from me speaking directly. I'm going to read something from Underground Secrets to Faster Running by Barry Ross. Now, I remember reading this, and uh, for some odd reason, I picked up the book and opened it up just randomly, like, this This makes sense. And it, God willing, <laughs> thank you, God, I opened up exactly to the page where this was. And I didn't even dog ear it. I dog eared like, 50% of the book. This page, I did not dog ear. But I'm going to read to you something from the book, all right? Bear with me, but it's worth reading. Confusion enters because the term, quote-unquote, endurance 
causes some coaches and athletes to equate the term speed endurance to aerobic capacity, and so an aerobic element is added to the athlete's training. Countless hours are wasted by athletes spending time developing quote-unquote endurance through aerobic activity when the system in which they compete has little dependence on the aerobic system. You're going to say, Coach, that's cool. We're not talking about running a 20-yard a dash here. We're talking about running a, a, a tough man, right? A tough man. So here's what the guy says. In reality, speed endurance in sprints has no connection to aerobic capacity at all. Sprints up to 400 meters are considered oxygen-deficient events. I'll skip past this. Two. He basically says, I'm going to skip all the way down, because what they did was they deprived people of oxygen while they were running for up to two minutes. So basically, if you're doing something for under two minutes, it would not be considered an, an endurance event. And I am reading this from Underground Secrets to Faster Running. Now, you may be reading somewhere else or learning something somewhere else, but this is the book that I am currently uh, basing a lot of our training off of and the works of Tony Holler and Chris Korfeist and the, the, those guys who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. So having said that, I do not believe this is an endurance event. I, again, I'll say it again. If you are grossly overweight or you're very weak, it becomes an, it's going to feel like an endurance event because you're really struggling to get through each one of these of these. I say segments of the event. Now, let's talk about toughness because the conversation started to get into, well, look, I got to be mentally tough, right? And, and I agree, uh, toughness, it's not just about being physically tough, right? There's, there's being physically tough, then there's being mentally tough. Now, there's different, to me, there's different versions of mentally tough. There's mental toughness that pushes physical toughness, meaning my brain is going to let is going to force my body. My will is going to force my body to push its boundaries. I'm going to put myself through such damage or through so much of a challenge that now my body is going to get to a level that it hadn't gotten to before. So and I totally agree with that. At the same point, I also believe that mental toughness is being able to operate with skill under pressure. So grabbing that chain and not dropping it when the guy ahead of you is a half a seconds or one second ahead of you when he gets to that same point in the test that is that is mental toughness getting to that last slider and you're able to properly place your feet on it that is mental toughness standing in the pocket as a quarterback and some outside linebackers about to break your face in half and you hang in there and go to your second check and complete that pass that is mental toughness now for me I love that form of mental toughness because as a coach, as an ex-player, I always felt like, and Joe Rogan says this about jujitsu. I think it's advanced problem solving with dire consequences, right? You have to have your brain and your body functioning under pressure, and people will freak out and freeze, right? That whole fight or flight thing. They'll actually freeze. It's fight, flight, or freeze because they're so nervous. So that is why I like to add riddles and clues and some of these more complex elements to it. That's why I also believe, at least for right now, because guys are saying, look, let's just make these things one thing at a time. Screw the transitions. Who cares if I can go from a slider to a farmer's wall? Let's just go to a slider and see who goes fast. I, 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 we do that. Again, we can do that with challenges. We do that with our feed the catch times. There's a time and a place for this. But with a tough man, I like to bring all of this stuff together to make it, to me, more tough physically and mentally tough. And if we're going back again to the physical part, uh, I think there's like three, maybe four different rankings. Let's talk about three. You got a new guy, uh, 
an offensive lineman type guy, they're, they're just they're struggling to finish, right? Then we got this group of, of seasoned veterans who uh, their goal is to finish in under a minute and 10 seconds. And then you got these masters, the, I'll call them the masters, the guys who are under or right next to one minute. And there's not a lot of them. There's only a few. These guys have mastered the test. They're, they're better at it than I am, right? Like, I, I'm not spending this nearly as much time trying to perfect my transitions because I'm not in it. I'm not in it with them. I'm not, I'm not spending enough time trying to perfect these moves. They are masters at that test. They can give a better class on taking that test than I can. I'll set it up, but they're going to they're gonna give a class on executing it. And if you think about this, right, to become a master, it probably takes, like, I'll just say, an X amount of percent to get into that top that top 80% at anything in the world, right? It's like a certain, if, you, if you're good enough, you put enough education, you'll get into that top 80%. It, now it takes like 2x that amount of time to get into that top 90%. And then if you want to get into that top 99%, now it takes like 10x that time and 10x that dedication to get to that point. These masters are there. Now we said, look, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like some guys just want to... Joe Sarno, I'm dominating the test, coach. Why do I have to worry about picking up a chain? Yeah, it's, it's annoying, but it's also beautiful. There's beauty in that mastery because there's not many people in this world who master anything. So that process of mastery, embrace it. Again, there's not many people in this world that master anything. Joe, Joe Trunzo's mastered Madden. I believe his mastery of Madden in some way, shape, or form has enabled him to master many other things in his life. You, you look at this guy, how he works, how he thinks, how he operates. It, it's no coincidence that he was a master of Madden in high school, right? So that mastery, I believe, enables, it builds a platform for you to begin to be able to master other stuff throughout your life. And oh, by the way, he's also master the tough man. Again, he can give a class on taking this tough man. So, okay, coach, well, who cares, right? Who cares about this mastery? Uh, that, that's for pianists or artists or maybe even let's even argue that it's for an Olympic sprinter, right? Because that was brought up into the conversation. And these are all valid points. And I agree with Joe Trunzo. The Olympic sprinters at that level, those guys, like they're working on like, where is my, my finger pointing <laughs> when I'm getting off the blocks? Like little little things like that to separate them from the next elite athlete. So, yeah, you masters, uh, Trunzo, Sarno, Amorosi's right there. Yeah, you guys got to think about these transitions. You do. Sorry, if you want to be the best of the best, you, ha- you have to think about that thing because it's what's going to determine if you're going to win or lose. But I don't hear anybody in our group making the same argument over the mastery of an Olympic weightlifter, right? The, the technical detail that those dudes have to have when they're doing a clean and press or a snatch or uh, a strongman, right? When a strongman is figuring out how to carry, I don't know, a tree trunk and pick it up and put it down or stones, there is technical mastery there. And then let's get into some of our world, powerlifting. That is complete and total mastery of technique by the world champion powerlifters. Those are not always the strongest dudes that win powerlifting competitions. They're the guys with the perfect squat technique, the perfect bench technique, the perfect deadlift technique. Uh, God bless them with the right body, the right anatomy, right? So there is mastery in tough things. It's not just for, uh, I'd say, uh, like skills that don't exert some really hard physical force or mental, quote-unquote, mental toughness with it. So this is why I am not, at least for right now, changing the current tough man. This is why. I still again, it's tough for some people. So for some people, this is a big deal. Uh, I also want those guys that this is a big deal to be inspired by 
the Masters, right? I got a guy to look up to now. I look at the time improvements of guys like Joe Marechko, Jimmy Yuski, who I think will be a Master uh, by by this year, by 2021, Jimmy Yuski is going to be a Master. Uh, guys like Pete Baraji, I think he's going to be close to being a Master. Joe Marechko, if he stops sending me these annoying text messages before I go to sleep, he's going to be close to being a master. There's guys on this list, and I'm probably missing many of them because so I rate right now, but there's guys on in this group that are going to get themselves to that master level, and then there's guys that have just come in that work super hard that I want to get them to the vet level, but they need to be inspired by each other. And the last thing I'm going to say is I don't believe that these masters – I don't even think they've hit the peak. I don't think uh, 58 seconds is the best we're going to get. I really don't. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I went through, I didn't watch a lot of film, but I, I watched some film. I watched some film, and what I was counting was was steps. Or let's equate, if we're doing a slider, uh, your hand push to a step. Now, he who takes the least amount of steps to get somewhere wins. That mass-specific force, right? I'm generating that force into the ground. I'm going to move horizontally. The least amount of steps I take, I'm going to win. So the least amount, of, less amount of time it's going to take, and then I'm going to win. So that happens with sprinting, and I said the tough man's a game of speed. Well, I watch film, and what I'm looking at is the amount of steps. So I'm not going to say names. There was probably too many names said in our last group text, but I'm just going to say when I looked at our top two guys... The top two guys, you know who you are, go look at the website. When they're doing their first slider, their average pushes, it's 26 pushes, right? 26 pushes to get 15 yards on their first slider. It takes them nine seconds. Two of the lower guys, they average 32 pushes, and it takes them 13 seconds. So less pushes, right? Mass-specific force. Mass-specific force. So if we said this is just about endurance, coach, well, well hell, then, uh, you know, if we're both taking the same amount of pushes and I'm just getting tired and you're not, well, maybe that's one thing, but this is proof positive right here. That's six less pushes. Okay, coach, who cares? So I'm going to keep going. I'll go through a couple of other things. Let's go with the high-handle prowler. Top two guys. Their average steps on the high-handle, 16 steps. The lower two guys, 19 steps. And the top two guys, they have one second better time. Their average is seven seconds for the high-handle prowler than the big guys that have eight seconds. But let's look at the low-handle, all right? The low-handle guys, and now this is where I think some fatigue starts to come in. Again, not because it's an endurance test, but maybe it's just because you're taking so many extra steps and it's cumulative over time. When we get to the low-handle, the top two guys, they take 17 steps. The lower two guys, they take 25 steps. That's an extra eight steps they're taking. Right? And we can just keep adding up all these extra steps that they're taking across this event. So the top two guys, it takes them seven seconds on a low handle. The lower guys, 11 seconds. That's eight steps. That's four seconds coming up in those eight steps. Now we're getting into the, the second prowler high handle. The top two guys, they take 18 steps. The bottom two guys, they take 22 steps. All right, so look at all these steps adding up. And then I'm going to get to the last one, and this is the one that people think separates everybody. But the top two guys... They take 24 steps, again, it's their hand push, on the last slider. Remember, they took 26 on the first set. Now, granted, on the last slider, a lot of them are putting their feet on the ground, falling to the floor, and pushing their feet forward before they take any pushes. But essentially, what it's showing me is that they're using this basically the same amount or less pushes on their last slider than they are on the first one. And their average time on the first slider and the last slider is exactly the same. The last guys, they're probably in a massive state of fatigue because of all the extra steps they've taken, 
right? All the extra steps they've taken, it's now a completely different event. It's taken them 33 pushes versus 24. And again, you guys say, oh man, well, they're dying. They're dying. Uh, they can't They can't finish the event. Well, th in the beginning, uh, nah, maybe I'll, I'll say it. The beginning, they're going 32 pushes, right? They're going 32 pushes. Now they're going 33. But in this end result, a lot of these guys are they're stopping. They stop moving. And they're like, they just stop. They'll fall down or whatever. And, and the biggest rule of thumb, and Joe Marichko can tell you this because he did this a lot, is just don't stop. Like, do not, if you're tired, just keep going. If you got to go slow at the end of the tough man, just keep going. All right. So hopefully, through all those numbers, and you've never won an argument in your life through data, but whatever, if you're getting anything out of this, is I think that people can hit a new peak on this by trying to get places with less pushes and less steps. And how can they do that? It could be by increasing their mass-specific force, right? Imagine if instead of taking uh, 26 punches with your arms to go with the slider, it takes 20. Imagine on a high-handle prowler, instead of 16 steps, it's 12, right? That, it, when you watch a great athlete move, they're taking less steps to get somewhere. So... Trust me when I'm telling you this. I don't think 58 point whatever Trunzo got is the new. Is that's it? It's the end all be all. I'm thinking we somebody can get 55, and I'm not ready to retire this thing until that happens. Now I'm gonna leave you guys with uh with two things here. One, and talking about feed the cats methodology. The other book I have is uh maximum. What's it called? Speed by Jimmy, by Smitty James Smith and Joe DeFranco. So, again, just opening up that book, they talk about, uh, there's a whole section on speed versus conditioning. But one thing I like, and Tony Holler talked about the same thing, it was maximal output versus operational output. So maximal output is, what's the fastest you could possibly go, right? And now, you're not going to run that fast every single time, so you have an operational output. So say your maximal output is X, your operational output is probably about 90% of that X. So if you run a 4440, well, then you're going to operate at about a 4.840, right? Now, if you get that down to a, sorry, it's a 4.8840. That's what you're running around at game speed at. If you can get your 4.440 down to a 4.340, now your operational speed is going to be at a 4.7 second, seven seconds. Ah, so having said that, what you want to do is you want to increase your operational output so that you can also, sorry, decrease your operational output, right? So we want to lower that time, lower that time down, that, that max, well, I'm saying this all wrong, guys, sorry. <laughs> you want to decrease your maximal operating speed, right? You want to decrease that time so you can automatically decrease your operating speed. So that means that the faster we train with that max effort is the faster we're going to actually be able to operate while we're performing this tough man. So this is what I'm trying to say is that we're, we need to go faster in our segments. We don't want to go longer and slower. Longer and slower is not going to make you finish the tough man better. Again, it's not an endurance event. We want to go faster, as fast as we possibly can, maximize our top end speed so that we can then operate at a higher or slightly, I'll say lower or better speed during the entire event. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this up with, with maybe two things. One, in this same book, <laughs> uh, I think there's one more, one more line I want to read in this same book because guys are really big on developing their... Uh, aerobic capacity. It said, uh, for the develop of speed, we do not recommend training in a lactic state. It's too low intensity to enhance speed, and it's too high intensity to enhance aerobic, hold on, capacity. It is the ultimate dead zone for speed and power athletes. Now, 
What I'm saying is, is that some guys think they're actually developing their aerobic capacity when what they're doing when they're training is building their anaerobic glycolytic endurance, a.k.a. the burn, a.k.a. getting lactic acid. So what you think you're doing, you're not actually doing. You're not building up aerobic capacity. If you're building up aerobic capacity, you have to go so low that you never actually feel a burn. You have to go so low that you don't get into that anaerobic threshold. And that analytic like what is it called anaerobic glycolytic endurance phase where you're feeling the burn where you're getting that sick pump it's not making you faster you cannot coexist in the in the alactic okay that is what we're working with with feed the cats in uh, underground secrets to faster training in the alactic world no you can't it's not compatible i'm getting this from vladimir osorin's chart i'm looking at it right now it is not compatible with that the things that are compatible would be alactic and aerobic so aerobic, again, but aerobic, you guys, you're not thinking about it the same way that I think I am, or I don't think you're thinking about it the same way I am. Aerobic has to be so light that you don't feel that burn. I know a lot of you guys want to feel that burn all the time. But once you feel that burn, now you're going directly against what you need to do to pick up your maximal speed. All right. I am exhausted not only from making this podcast, not only from continuing to have this argument, but also from... Uh, the hours of sleep that I lost on Monday. I'm an old man. I am in sleep debt. Uh, I need to catch up on those two hours of sleep. All right. Enjoy, people. I can't wait to debate this with you again uh, either next week or the next time Joe Moretchko uh, trains with somebody that is not me.